Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. We did it. We made it to another weekend and at the end of the year, no less. Over the next three weeks, we are going to talk to some of our favorite people about some of their favorite stuff. And up first is Nick Kwa, a podcast critic for Vulture. Nick, hello. Hello. We made it. We made it to the we end of the year. It. Can it's you unbelievable. It? <laughs> no, I, I'm so surprised. <laughs> it does seem shocking, does it? Like, what is 2023 even going to hold for us? Can you Nothing. Fathom? It's just blank <laughs> abyss. And it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, so you brought your top five pods of the year. You also have some honorable mentions. Oh, yeah. But first, I have a question for you just about podcasts in general and like the scene these days. Like, I feel like when I talk to friends about shows they're listening to, it just feels like there aren't any like capital B big deal podcasts that everyone is listening to these days. You know, I think about a show like Serial or S-Town back in the day. It's definitely still happening with TV. I mean, you know, Game of Thrones or White Lotus, I think, are a great example of that. But what do you think? Like, do you find that the market is just so saturated that things just like aren't rising to the top the way they used to? Oh, God, it's such a such a squishy question. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, you know, a couple of months ago, I wrote this this feature for the magazine, and yeah. the broad feeling I tried to sort of capture, which is something I think a lot of people are feeling, but you know, you kind of want to put into words is the sense of that there's something that there's a possibility with the medium that's no that doesn't feel as possible anymore, mm. and it is it is that thing of like breaking through of a podcast that like really kind of transcends the podcast community and, and becomes the center of the culture. Um, and, you know, there's a, there's a couple of, you know, reasons structurally, you could argue, is it's sort of there's been more podcasts than ever before. Um, consolidation has really hit the space. So you have a lot of these, you know, f- formerly just radio companies and, and other kinds of like Hollywood style companies that have come in and just pump a lot of product into the space and kind of blocks out um, everything else. But, um, you know, it's it's not all gloom and doom. I, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's there has been no, you know, really good stuff being made. It's the question of scale, right? It's the question of things yes. like hitting a white lotus level. And you kind of have to sort of wonder, is this something that's inherent to podcasting? Is it because it's not, you know, aspects of its culture hasn't been developed enough? Like, we know how to talk about television, but we still, you know, we still don't quite know how to talk about podcasts as mm-hmm. a culture. Um, so that could be a factor. But I don't know, like... I started out writing a feature to make a very gloomy proposition and framing so that mm. we can start like rebuilding the future we want. And I don't know, hopefully we'll, we'll end up in a better place in a few years. Well, I also think, I mean, part of that, what we're seeing then is that there are more different, like there's a greater diversity of podcasts and maybe it's a really good thing that not just one thing is appealing to everyone because it means you can make things that are really specific to certain viewpoints or cultures. Absolutely. That aspect of podcasting hasn't gone away. And if anything, it's gotten sort of significantly stronger as the like Patreon driven independent scene kind of really shows its strengths. Um, Mm -hmm. We're we're seeing sort of a lot of communities and individual creators really sort of building a pretty good operations for themselves. 
Um, but at the same time, you know, you're kind of in the game to like play the great game, right? Mm. <laughs> and like, uh, you, you know, it's it's <laughs> all, game all of game. Thrones, if you it, will, kind, kind of. You know, it's you know, something in the heart of a person who makes something aspires to uh, be be universal, be uh, transcendental. Sure. And, you know, I kind of want to see more of that. Um, of course, you could argue <laughs> that you know the Joe Rogans and the Call Her Daddies of the world are still out there, mm. but. Um, there's something to be said about uh, works that are about culture and works that is culture. And, mm. you know, we have a lot of podcasts that are about culture, but podcast itself as a piece of the culture, I think that's that's something that I would, that I'm like really, really, you know, in my heart yearning to see more of. Interesting. Okay, so given that things are so saturated, what were your criteria for picking the podcast we're about to talk about? So I, you know, it's a, it's a mix, right? Because with any of this best of whatever end of whatever year lists, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. always going to be some, to some extent subjective. But I felt that I was going for shows that could last, you know, that, that said something about the medium as a whole, that did something maybe unprecedented, that showed the possibilities of what this this form could do. Um, and also, you know, just have a good damn time. Like, you know, it's it's yeah. nice uh, to have experimental works and stuff, but you know, you got to have a good time, and that's that's kind of what was guiding my principles here. <laughs> okay, so let's get to it. Um, we'll start with number five and work our way to one. Um, this is what's described as a cosmic audio drama. Your mission here is to save these planets, but you cannot save them all. No matter how hard you try, you can only pick three and then escape. Is that clear? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. A fucking planet? Why in the 10th hell would I even try to say? Don't think physically. This is an astral plane. This is your mind. Each planet is a memory. That one there, your favorite food. And over there, your favorite color. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Uh, a little setup here. So, yeah, this piece is called His Saturn Return. Um, it is sort of a one-off uh, project that's distributed um, through uh, a podcast that was known as The 11th. It was from Pineapple Street Studios. It's no longer with us. They, they retired the feed uh, earlier this year. But the whole idea behind The 11th was to kind of showcase different kinds of experiments and, and like forms and, and creators that, you know, maybe didn't have a, a f- idea for an eight-part series or a ten-part series. Yeah. They just want to try some new stuff with some new people. And so they found this person, Sai Seon. They went out and created this really fascinating one-off cosmic audio drama which is basically a coming of age tale about huh. a space alien named Duran Durag uh, who goes off and like you know he's he's put through some trials to like grow to basically grow up and think outside of himself and this this project just has a full vision of like what it wanted to do and <laughs> as you can hear it draws from all these different influences you know you get a bit of fifth element from it you get a lot of hitchhiker's guide to galaxy from it you get mm. some amount of rupaul drag race from it um and it, and it just sounds like nothing else i've ever heard in this particular subgenre but also it's just it's so fun and it just moves it it has an energy it has a dance to it interesting i mean even that 30 second clip it's it sounds so vibrant and interesting and layered and like just there's a lot going on with it in a very interesting and exciting way absolutely it's um it is in a sense a kind of cartoon in the best possible sense mm. uh, and i and i love it that's so cool. Okay, so let's talk about your next one. This is called Mother Country Radicals. It's from Crooked Media. I actually hadn't heard anything about it, but I just listened to this 30-second clip, and I was like, holy shit. In 1970, a 28-year-old recent law school graduate became the most wanted woman in America. 
Angela Davis was replaced on the FBI's 10 most wanted list this afternoon by Bernadine Ray Dorn, described as an underground leader of the weathermen. They said she was an enemy of the state. Within the next 14 days, we will attack a symbol or institution of American injustice. A homegrown terrorist. A bomb exploded early this morning in the Pentagon. J. Edgar Hoover called her the most dangerous woman in America. I'm going to read a declaration of a state of war. She's also my mother. Ugh, so beautifully mixed. <laughs> what a what a teaser. What is what a teaser right there. <laughs> Just that contrast of like most dangerous women in America, also my mother is like, we need more things about dangerous women who also happen to be mothers. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. Uh the, so mother country radicals, um, I kind of think about it as sort of sort of a, a history of an organization via an oral history. Uh imagine that your parents, you know, your mother most prominently, but also your dad, um, are two prominent members of a revolutionary front in the United States. And um, it's decades later, and you are you are an older person now, and you're trying to piece together both the history of the organization they were part of, but also who they were as people. Now, mm-hmm. like I love my parents, you know, it's it's still kind of difficult for me to see them as, as full people sometimes, <laughs> and I can only imagine what Zayd Dorn, who's the documentarian at the center of this of this mm-hmm. piece, who's guiding mm-hmm. you through all of that. Um, you know, he's 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 seeing his his parents as both cultural figures and as people. And what he's also doing is sort of sketching together and piecing together kind of a history of the Weather Underground, which was a, sort of a 70s-era militant left-wing organization, quite prominent. You know, they tried to overthrow the government uh, in, in opposition to the Vietnam War. Uh, but it was also of a piece of a larger system of multiple, multiple undergrounds in, in that sort of revolutionary era. One thing that really struck me about this show, and, you know, it's kind of a cliche thing to say, but um, is how... Its portrait of a of a political activist group feels very familiar to the way that uh, sort of activist groups and and sort of political movement groups are, are constructed in twenty twenty two. The push and pull, the sort of fragility of building a coalition, um, and the the difficulty of like of being young people leading these groups. All of it comes together in this piece, and it's it's so rich. It is, I think, one of the most elegantly constructed um, documentaries I've I've heard in this in this medium. All right, right after the break, we'll get into more favorites. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to the Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Okay, let's talk about the Trojan Horse Affair. This is co-hosted by Brian Reed and Hamza Syed. Brian is the host, of course, behind S-Town from Serial Productions. Here's a clip. A leaked letter outlining a plot by hardline Muslims. The letter looked to be... Well, Hamza, you want to explain this part? The letter looked to be a secret communique between Islamic extremists who'd been infiltrating the city schools in a supposed plot called Operation Trojan Horse very like old school public radio pacing in that one for sure. I mean, it's beautiful scripting, but you know what I mean. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of <laughs> like, uh, you know, we're going back to the orchestra. We're hearing Brahms again, you know, a yeah, little exactly. bit. <laughs> uh, I mean, OK, you know, no, I mean, 
the classics are the classics, and a classic, yeah. the traditional practitioners are like the sterling practitioners of your form. It works because it works. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, Sir Productions, you know, uh, publisher of such fine works as Cyril and S Town, hence the name Sir Productions, they had a new sort of big swing early this year. Um, they had two shows come out. Trojan Horse went first uh, back in February or March, and it is a very, very, um, how should we call it, polished. Um, Mm-hmm. investigation into a British scandal. So the, the scandal at hand is something that took place a couple of years ago in the city of Birmingham, um, in which uh, a supposedly secret communique outlining some sort of Islamic plot to take over the schools and introduce uh, Islamic education in the school system uh, mm-hmm. was, quote unquote, exposed in the public and, and a whole lot of like mess falls from there. Um, of course, the communique was eventually proven to be or sort of found to be fake. Um, but it's kind of a situation in which everybody kind of just looked past it and moved on. Um, and everybody who was affected by the original scandal, specifically the Muslim community in mm-hmm. Birmingham and the UK uh, writ large, um, you know, continued to have to deal with the consequences. And so Hamza Sayed was a journalism student at the time he approached Brian Reed with this, with this idea for the story. And Brian Reed, who was approached by Hamza during a little sort of tour he was doing for S-Town, you know, decided to go, yeah, let's, let's look into this and, and let's, let's sort of report on it. So they, they come together to make this series, which is, on the one hand, an investigation into the scandal, but also, you know, more spiritually, a really interesting push and pull about, you know, what it means to be reported and what it means to go out and produce um, sort of fact-finding missions like this and fact-finding works like this. Um, there is a certain portentousness and pretentiousness that comes with journalists talking about journalism. Mm. But this is this is a series that, like, shows, not tells. They don't just talk about it. They kind of imbue that those ideas into the actual practice itself. And so there's a, it's basically a two-hander between Brian Reed and Hamza. One person has actual skin in the actual game of what's being reported and the other is sort of a neutral outsider he's you know brian reed being white he's kind of an american he's divorced in proceedings and that tension is so rich it's so palpable it's something you could think about for hours and to have it be portrayed back to you in such sterling fashion you gotta respect the greats and this (laughs) these are the greats man (laughs) they're doing it again they're doing it again uh yeah it's not it's not as um it's not that much of a phenomenon as S-Town uh, for, for many reasons, but right. it's a very, very good piece of audio documentary. Interesting. So something that I do think really did kind of rise to the top, at least in my circles, is your next pick, which is Normal Gossip. Oh, my God. Malcolm went on uh-huh. two dates with her while he was in a different city for work. Okay, so he like flew to some other city, met Nora, went on two dates with her. They hit it off like really well, and they kept like texting when he got back home. Malcolm does not think that they were serious enough that it made sense for Nora to move across the country (gasps) after those two dates, but she did it anyway. No, Nora, half of your name is the word no. (laughs) No. No. Nora. That, of course, is host Kelsey McKinney from Defector Media talking with Julia Furlan about a random gossip story from, quote, a friend of a friend. That has such a different feel from the Trojan horse fair, doesn't it? Absolutely. It's a hard cut. Uh, Greta, do you like gossip? You like gossip, right? Oh, my God. Who doesn't like gossip? Of course. Spill the tea. That's the th- I, I know one or two people who say they don't like gossip, but they're like... <laughs> Yeah, they have to be like gossip is the stuff of life. Gossip is the best thing in the world. A good piece of gossip like can change your entire perspective of the universe. But mm-hmm. a great piece of gossip can completely ruin your life. And <laughs> this show 
captures that feeling so hard. And the brilliance of it is that all the pieces of gossip is fundamentally banal and about and by normal people. And, um, you know, I, when I was sort of like first considering the show and thinking about it and talking to people about it, the thing that I constantly heard is sort of, yeah, you know, the, the pervasiveness of gossip in the culture tends to sort of be reflected back in the form of like celebrity gossip, gossip of people in power, gossip of, of prominent people. But the real best stuff is is gossip about people you don't really know or you vaguely know. And yes, um, that's a humanity. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to sort of hold myself back from being too sort of galaxy brain about this. But really, it's just like it, this is it's like there's a humanity in this that is like unmatched. Like this is why we're social people, because we hear about other people doing random, weird, quirky things to other people, with other people, uh, alongside other people. Mm. And um, so just to set it up, Kelsey McKenney, host, uh, as you mentioned, of The Factor Media, is produced by Alex uh, Lawlin. Um, and every episode involves them having crowdsourced or sourced somehow a piece of gossip um, from either their friends or the larger network or their listeners. And they very painstakingly anonymize every single detail right down to what the actual activity is. But the, so, the, but the, like, the core spirit of what the story is is essentially unchanged. And every episode then, uh, Kelsey takes that piece of gossip and presents it, tells it, weaves it, spins it to a guest who is forced to, like, suffer through this, to, like, project themselves into the situation. Because really the best part about hearing gossip is asking the question, what would I do in that situation? And for me personally, I would make every worst possible choice because I know who I am. Oh, what a good show. (laughs) (laughs) There is a squirm factor to this one in like the most fun way, I think. Absolutely. Imagine if White Lotus was real. This is this is what your gossip captures. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so tell me about your top pick of the year. Right. So normal gossip would have been my number one. It would Mm. have been the the podcast of twenty twenty two. This is the year of normal gossip. Mm. And then there's a show called Dead Eyes that comes along and does a thing that podcasts often promise but never deliver, which is to provide an actual ending to have a genuine sense of closure. So Dead Eyes um, is a show that started around early 2020, uh, right before the pandemic. It's you know started by a, a comedian and actor. His name is Connor Ratliff. And the whole conceit um, for him studying the show is many, many years ago, um, there was a show called Band of Brothers. Um, it was on HBO. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. executive produced by Tom Hanks. And Conor Ratliff at the time was at the beginning of his acting career. And he books this gig, a very tiny, ultimately insignificant gig. But, you know, it could lead to, you know, bigger things. And it's a good credit. And he was very, you know, kind of malleable at the beginning of your career. So he books this gig. And at the last minute, Tom Hanks, uh, who executives produced the show again, you know, calls him back in for a re-audition. And um, he would later, Conor would later learn that he was, you know, fired from that, uh, from that gig because he had what Tom Hanks thought was "quote unquote" dead eyes, and so this is so weird. This I know it's a it's a shaggy dog story if there was ever a shaggier dog. Um, so Connor goes out and makes his show essentially, and like interviews as many people he can, and talks and tries to like figure out what <laughs> it means to have dead eyes and, and why why this happened to him. But you know the way I'm explaining it to it sounds like it could be a little bit like rice or sardonic, whatever. It's not. This show ends up essentially being a very, very soulful like meditation on like on the one hand what it's like to be a working actor and and to hmm. and to sort of con- consistently get rejection and like fall short from the expectations you have in your life. Hmm. And you know on the other hand, it, it kind of pulls together and becomes this pondering about all the lives you didn't lead, all the things that in your life 
that didn't happen, it could have translated into something else. And essentially, you know, coming to terms and being comfortable with the life that you have. And suddenly, uh, my guy actually gets the book Tom Hanks and get an actual answer. By the way, this is what the email said. Connor, not sure how to volunteer my services to you, but joining you on your podcast would be a pleasure. Tom. And then below that, it says T. Hanks. So at first, I wasn't sure if it was real or a prank. The address was unfamiliar, and honestly, anyone could have written this. Longtime listeners will recall, I have been fooled before. I will not be fooled again. I feel like I've heard the setup of this show a couple times. Yeah. And it sounds to me like it's perilously close to just being super navel-gazy, but it sounds like it really does more than that, huh? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, any show by show business people about show business inherently mm. navel-gazy, right? Sure. But again... The show ultimately is about the grief of these other lives. And mm. it, it has this feeling that maybe like it becomes more pungent as you get older kind of thing. Like I'm in my early 30s and already I'm feeling what Connor is feeling. And he's you know mm. a little old man, I guess. And what happens in this episode, this conversation he has with Tom Hanks is, you know, first of all, it's a really good Tom Hanks interview. And I think, you know, not knocking a guy, but like the dude is famously kind of nice and as a result, yeah. famously kind of uh, kind of a difficult interview. Um, mm. But here, you know, you have a situation where you have two people sort of trading um, kind of basically war stories and, and feelings and like sort of life advice and, and a feeling of collective growth with each other. They're you know, sort of very, very different parts of their careers, obviously. They're also, you know, separated by a generation. But there is that kind of learning and that um, empathy that comes from, uh, you know, a fellow warrior turning to a, a younger warrior in the field and going, mm-hmm. hey, I've been through where you've been through. And there's something really magical in the in the feeling that emerges from from the interview. And um, yeah, it's it's like it's I, I don't know if there'll be anything like this ever again in, in podcasting. It, it is wow. a premise for a jokey podcast that really pays off and it has an emotional capper to it. Wow, that's so interesting. Okay, so before we let you go, you brought some honorable mentions. Do you want to mention maybe one of them before you take off? Let's let's go let's go left field with this one. So um, I decided to make an extremely random addition to my top ten because I just admire the show Gall of it. There is this um, experimental fiction podcast called Imaginary Advice. Mm. It's by this uh, British uh, gentleman. His name is Ross Sutherland. Um, and, you know, he's he's a writer. He writes scripts. He writes uh, short stories. He writes novels. Um, and he kind of uses his podcast feed as sort of a little labor- laboratory to play around with a bunch of different ideas. So he does this thing uh, a couple of weeks ago where he um, releases a, an episode completely in Italian. Um, <laughs> it, it's called the, the True Crime of Your Frozen Death. And if you can at- understand Italian, the plot basically follows uh, this woman, uh, you know, Try you know tried to solve the murders of multiple true crime podcasters you know um and then she ends up being uh, targeted by the killer because she wow. too is a true crime podcaster. Wait, so do you speak Italian? I don't. And here's the thing. Okay, okay. The the intent of the piece is for the language to wash over you and for you to get an understanding of what's happening without language being processed through your brain. It, it is purely through the the predictable beats of every true crime story you've ever heard. Wow. And so music and all of that too, I assume? Exactly. The, Interesting. The music, the intonation, the performance, the, huh. the sort of sound effect, the mood of it, the pacing, you let it wash over you, and at some point, you just get what's going on. Sono 
Rossana Lazzarini. In ogni puntata di omicidi dalla A alla Z vado su Wikipedia e cerco un omicidio ancora da risolvere. E vi do tutti i particolari, anche le note a piedi pagina. E allora muoio dalla voglia di iniziare. It's just such a bold, interesting move to try this out. Um, and there's also a subtitled version that you can find online uh, that, you know, that will tell you the story of what actually is happening. Mm. But, um, but yeah, 100,000 points for a brilliant idea and a fascinating <laughs> execution. Um, you know, this, it's stuff like this that really makes me go, we do have a, a very, very interesting, fascinating future here. I love that idea. Well, Nick, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me. I appreciate you. My pleasure. Nick Kwa is Vulture's podcast critic. We also asked you, dear listeners, what some of your favorite podcasts of the year were. And here they are. This is Sonia. And my favorite podcast of the year is Petty Crimes. It's a true crime comedy podcast. Each week, the co-hosts Kira and Griff share a listener's submitted story and then decide whether the person or people in the story should be considered guilty of a petty crime. It is hilarious, and I look forward to it every week. Hi, Nerdette. This is Lee from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and I love Nerdette. But my absolute favorite podcast of the year is Kate Lister's Betwixt the Sheets, which is a sex history podcast, and interesting and different and hilariously funny. Hey, it's Brandon Pope, host of The Making Podcast with WBEZ. Mine is the Joel Klatt Podcast. Joel Klatt is a uh, college football commentator. He does about three pods a week breaking down the college football landscape. And I think he's the most objective guy in the sport. So that's probably my favorite of the year. Hi, Nerdette. This is Betsy from Bookish. The first one is Ultra with Rachel Maddow. And the second one is On with Kara Swisher. Love them, love them, love them. Thanks for chiming in with some of your favorites. Next week, we are talking all about the best books of the year. And once again, we would love to hear from you for that. So just send in a little voice memo. You can just say your name and where you're from and the title of the book. You can elaborate whatever you want. We would love to hear from you. Email that voice file to nerdatpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, we are going to be continuing the conversation of our favorites over in our Facebook group. You can join that by going to facebook.com slash groups slash nerdatehq. The show is produced by me and Anna Bauman along with Sam Deer. And our executive producer is Brendan Balazak. Have a lovely weekend, y'all. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Tan Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.